Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special, a very special edition of the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. Here's the play today. For the purposes of discussion, let's assume that California Senator Kamala Harris is picked as Joe Biden's running mate in this year's presidential election. If that happens, that means California will have a vacant U.S. Senate seat, and that means that Governor Newsom will have a chance to appoint a temporary successor to Kamala Harris. So the question today is we're going to deal with is who will he pick? We've asked half a dozen political folk from around the state, people who follow politics professionally and out of their own interest and who enjoy it. We've asked an array of political folks to answer that question. Gary South, Adama Iwu, Fran Pavley, Roger Salazar, Joel Fox, and Karen Skelton. To us, it seemed like this field might be pretty limited to statewide officials, or at least people who had a demonstrated track record in winning a statewide election. In fact, there are a lot of suggestions, and a lot of people's names came up. One of them came up from all of our political folk, and that name was... Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Padilla. Alex Padilla. Alex Padilla. Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Alex Padilla, the Secretary of State. We were surprised at that. I think some of them were surprised at that. So Yeah, every single person we spoke to uh, chimed in with Alex Padilla. So was if Alex Padilla is listening, then he, he's got a leg up. He's going to among, this podcast. Along a certain community, yeah. Did his name come up even when we were talking about this in the office? I don't, I don't recall that it did. No. You know, I think you and I were convinced it was Jackie Spear, and no one else agreed yeah. with us. Jackie Spear, yeah. Well, there's a possibility. I thought maybe Javier Becerra, but he might run for governor. Or that's, the, that's the buzz around the water cooler. So join us, folks, as we talk to uh, our political experts and see what you think. Okay, so first up is Gary South, a veteran political consultant who I first met in the 19, late 1990s, who amazingly got Gray Davis elected. We're still talking about that. He does state and national and local campaigns. And we asked Gary, um, Gary, what do you think about uh, Kamala Harris's potential successor in California? Who do you think the governor is going to pick for this? I'm not sure that I can give you a specific individual, but I think I can give you some sense of where Newsom is coming from on, an, on a matter like this. Um, as you may know, I ran his first campaign for governor when he was running in 2008, 2009, before he dropped out, and have a pretty good sense of who he's close to and, and what his sense of history is. And, you know, if you're an incumbent governor and you're making a weighty appointment like this, uh, one of just 100 members of the U.S. Senate, supposedly the world's greatest deliberative body. You want that person to have the optimal capability of being elected to that seat in their own right. And remember that Kamala Harris's seat um, would be up in 2022. So whoever he would appoint would have to run for that seat in their own right in, in 2022. So first of all, you want someone who is capable of holding that seat when you appoint them. And in the last two times we've had, had appointed senators in California, uh, in 1991, when Pete Wilson appointed um, John Seymour to his own seat after he became governor, and then in 1964, when Pat Brown appointed former, RF, uh, former JFK uh, Press Secretary Pierre Salinger to the seat, both of those candidates who were appointed lost badly when they ran for the seat in their own right. So you want somebody who's viable and you want somebody who can get up to speed fast enough because this appointment would occur in 2021. You want somebody who can get up to speed fast enough to win that seat outright um, in their own in their own right in, in 2022. Now, the other thing I know about Newsom is that he's someone who likes to make history, as I think voters have seen. Um, in, in, in 2004, as mayor of San Francisco, he unilaterally decreed that the city clerk would have to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples, uh, the first public official anywhere in the U.S. to do that. And even though that action was ruled unconstitutional by the California Supreme Court, that action actually led to what we have today, which is 
uh, same-sex marriage that is legal throughout the entire United States. Also, when he became governor, as you probably remember, he decided unilaterally to shut down all executions in California during the term of his governorship and even had all the equipment hauled out of the death chamber at San Quentin. So he likes to make history. Now, if you are appointing a senator from California and you want to make history, there's there's usually, there's probably only one way you can go. If you appoint a woman, that's not historical. I mean, we've had two women representing California in the U.S. Senate since 1992. We were the first state, as you know, in 1992 to have two women serving simultaneously in the United States Senate. And we still have that same situation today, even though one of those women has changed. Um, we have had we have had a black United States senator, uh, Kamala Harris, who is serving today. We've had two Asian American senators, Sam Hayakawa, who served back in the in the nineteen in the nineteen seventies, and Kamala Harris, of course, is half Asian Indian. What we have not had. You know, since California became a state in in September of 1850, we've been elected. We've we've had 44 people represent California in the Senate, but there's never been a Latino. And California has the highest percentage of Latinos in our population of any state other than New Mexico, 40 percent. New Mexico's at 47. There's 16 million Latinos living in California. That, by the way, that is to put that in perspective. That is more Latinos living in California than population of 46 of the other 49 states, the entire population of 46 of the other 49 states. So if you really want to make an historic appointment, it would be a Latino. And I think California is way overdue to have someone of Latino heritage represented in the U.S. Senate. We had... uh in recent years, at least two Latinos who tried for statewide office, Loretta Sanchez and Antonio Villaraigosa, and both lost. Is there something in the candidate, is there a particular person out there, a Latino, that you think would fill the seat the best? Uh, are there several out there who might run? Would we have, uh, if that person runs for re-election, are there several out there who will be trying for the same seat and split that Latino vote? That is entirely possible because California's elections are kind of a free-for-all, as you know. Unless you're a Republican, in which they're not so much a free-for-all. <laughs> Correct. Um, you know, we have, we have a sitting uh, Latino state official who has been elected to statewide office twice, uh, who is our Secretary of State, Alex Padilla. Uh, if you are looking for electoral viability, someone who can take that seat and quickly turn around and then run for it and be elected in, in their own right— one of the measurements you could look at is, has that person been elected to statewide office before? Sure. And Padilla certainly has. Um, he's in his second term as Secretary of State. And, you know, our down-ballot office holders in California, as you know, do not have a lot of visibility, even when they are overwhelmingly elected and overwhelmingly reelected. Um, because of the size of the state and the sort of political inattentiveness of the of, of the electorate in California, these down-ballot office holders just don't get a lot of traction with voters. But Padilla has been elected statewide twice. Um, and he would be – here's what I can tell you about Padilla, and I don't – I have not talked to Newsom about this situation and about this possibility, so I have no idea where his head is. But one thing I can tell you is that he's very close personally and politically with with Alex Padilla. For example – when I did, when I was a senior strategist in Newsom's first campaign for governor in 2008-2009, our statewide campaign chair was the, was was then state senator Alex Padilla. Um, he traveled with Newsom frequently. We had 24 or 25 town halls all over the state of California. Um, at most of those town halls, he was introduced by Alex Padilla, uh, and I know the two of them are very close. So. Padilla is one possibility for cer- for certain. Now, if you wanted to elect a Latina, if you wanted to appoint a Latina, um, we have m- many Latina members of Congress who also would be potentially, you know, a good pick. Hey, Gary, if if you're looking for statewide people with statewide clout with a demonstrated record, it seems to me that y- you don't look at Congress unless, like we talked before the podcast, what about Adam Schiff? And I'm sure there are names out there, but... Um, 
it's not as wide a field to pick from, I think, as one might think as we first look at it. We think he can do whatever he wants. But in reality, that test to get reelected, is a, that's a big burden. That's- it is. But, but here's what I would say. We have a recent case of someone being pulled out of the Congress and appointed to statewide office who then won the seat in his own right, and that's, that's Javier Becerra who was a member of Congress, one of 53, who was appointed attorney general, not by Gavin Newsom, but by Jerry Brown. But he he won the seat pretty overwhelmingly in his own right um, in 2018. So we have a recent case of a member of Congress, you know, pulled out of the sort of the obscurity of that 53 member mass of California's congressional delegation who was put into statewide office, had never run statewide before, who was then elected in his own right in that position. So we have a fairly recent case of a member of Congress being appointed to statewide office and then winning the the race in their own right. It, It really depends, I think, upon what kind of person Newsom would want to fill that seat. I do believe that he will make he I think he will make a historic appointment. Uh, Next up is Fran Pavley, former California legislator, very well known nationally and internationally uh, for her work on climate change and AB 32, which has been covered in depth forever and ever. But now we're not going to ask her about climate change. We're going to talk to Fran about a potential successor to Kamala Harris, if Kamala Harris is appointed uh, as gets the nod as as Joe Biden's vice presidential running mate this year. Fran, what do you think? Well, uh, thanks for thinking of me. I always have this Southern California bias or perspective, because <laughs> generally speaking, uh, uh, the Northern California, the Bay Area dominates a lot of those uh, political decisions because of long-term connection, uh-huh. just jealousy. So I don't know, but the obvious people who are probably already trying to figure out how to ingratiate themselves with the governor, people like, uh, I would think, Becerra, right, Padilla, Garcetti. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. They're all from the L.A. area. (laughs) (laughs) But I suppose they would, you know, check up. And then uh, someone else from down here that I think is certainly worthy of consideration is Adam Schiff. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you know a lot of these folks, wouldn't you? I I do know them. Yeah, not... Uh, real personally, but they know me and we've exchanged comments, but we're not uh, email buddies or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, my my uh, pick is it would be Karen Bass. Interesting. Huh. That's interesting, yeah. You know, we just saw CBS just had a report that she was under consideration for the VP slot itself. Yeah, that surprised me when I picked that because yesterday I was driving back from Tahoe with my husband and I said, you know, I should just accept this little offer of your podcast concept because I said, I thought the first thing out of my mind was someone like Karen Bass. I mean, California's had two women senators for quite a while, Boxer Feinstein and now Kamala Harris. And so so I naturally was sort of thinking of a woman that I knew. And I did serve in the legislature when Karen Bass was a speaker. And she's amazing in her poise and ability to bring people together and doesn't need to grandstand she's just an effective leader do you have any good karen bass stories you can share good karen bass stories um (laughs) i'm trying to think of stories um you know i think she was one of the very first women other than someone during the willie brown days that ever was speaker of the assembly i mean that was amazing and certainly the first african woman speaker her her style of leadership and her thoughtfulness uh, really transcended politics because she was pragmatic as well. She's a progressive, but she knew how to get things done and was uh, comfortable in building relationships with people. I, I don't see her in that, you know, have to be 100% one way or another if it, if you had to compromise to move forward. She would, she would do that. So that's how I think of her. Also, I've gone on some fun boat trips on the Delta with her that counts. <laughs> but but i just she is and you see her often on you know her building relationships is i like i've always liked working for speakers who would try to make legislators shine and help 
assist them in whatever their priorities were. So when I was in the legislature, of course, Herb Wesson was my seatmate. And even though climate policies weren't his number one goal, he said, if that's my priority, he would help make that happen. So I like those kind of, like, she's like that. Last time I saw Karen, about a year or so ago, she was up in Ventura County, which is not a normal place for her to be, but she was there to support Julia Brownlee at some event. Mm -hmm. Do you think Newsom and Bass have, uh, do they go back a ways together? I doubt it. Uh And I don't know who in his administration would, and so that would be my my pause on that, but she certainly... And it, it surprised me on the timing because then I, I opened up what was online today and I saw that story on CBS on her being considered by Biden because mm-hmm. she chairs the uh, Black Caucus for the uh, Congress. Oh, I didn't realize she was the chair of the caucus. Yeah, she was. she's chair and she was assembly speaker. And uh, her background, uh, well, one thing that I strikes out is her consistent decades back count on health, health policies. She was a, a physician's assistant, graduated from the USC School of, uh, the Keck School of Medicine. So I'm very strong on health care. That's certainly timely. The idea, the wild idea I had was Tom Steyer, just because of the timing. Hmm. He's the appointed by Newsom to have that economic recovery task force. So I was thinking, who, who has connections <laughs> with Newsom and that name popped out to me because I remember several years ago when Tom came, gave me a call and asked he was thinking of running for bo- uh, boxing seat when it opened when it opened up what did I think I thought okay this is an opening <laughs> and what did you tell him uh, well, of course, I I told him I thought it would be, you know, be excellent, but it could maybe be more uh, impactful um, behind the scenes, whether his priority is climate change or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. I just thought the timing of him being appointed the co-chair for Gavinism on the Economic Recovery Task Force, and I know his team at NextGen with is working very hard on that. And, and anyway, mm-hmm. timing is everything, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, will, I will throw his name in that mix. That's interesting. I had not, he's not one, one person I had not thought of. I would think uh, one concern for anyone that Newsom would appoint would be whether or not they'll be ostensibly running against him for president when he well, someday throws his own. And I would think Steyer would be someone who has already run for president and may have, may have his sights on that prize. They could, or this is my wildest idea for you. Gavin Newsom appoints himself. Uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> because that would be a better stepping stone, especially if the Democrats control the U.S. Senate, for him to be there. Are there wow. any uh, Latino or Latina candidates out there or people out there that come to I mind? I mentioned Becerra and Padilla. Yeah. And I, I was... I, of course, was thinking about that, and I, I couldn't come up with someone. I mean, someone like Hilda Solis, probably not. She was in the Obama administration and in the legislature, and she's at L.A. County Board of Supervisors. But I, I really couldn't come up with anyone that just sort of jumped off the charts. So I mm-hmm. don't want to throw in any of their names because I'll probably miss some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one other person I served with who's been in Congress several years that I've always admired, but again, I have no idea if Gavin Newsom knows her, um, Judy Chu. Oh, interesting. Do you remember her in the assembly? Was she from Southern California? Yeah, Monterey Park, uh-huh. Judy Chu, and her husband was Mike Ng, who was in the assembly as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always admired her, too, and just being... Uh, <laughs> In office for all the right reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, whoever he picks has to then win re-election in 2022. Is there anyone of the of the folks you've talked about who you think would stand a really good stead of being re-elected? Well, I would assume any of those could could do that. I mean, this is a democratic state, so um, I think all of them would do well in a re-election. They've run elections. They're pretty savvy. 
Roger Salazar, a refugee from the Clinton White House, a veteran political strategist and consultant here in California, and at one time was a Democratic spokesman, even though he was in California, for the Nevada Democratic Party, which always struck me as pretty amazing. Roger, here's the question of the day. Help us out with this one. Well, I'm always of the opinion that anytime you get a Californian on the ticket, it's beneficial. Uh, I know that there's a, you know, the standard line in politics is, uh, you know, you want to try to try to look at the electoral map and figure out where you can be uh, helped uh, the most as a presidential candidate. But that's not really not been uh, uh, honestly the case. Um, you know, you, you'll, you'll look at some of the past uh, VP nominees that have been out there and some of them have been, uh, uh, you know, in, in swing states. But for the most part, uh, you know, you just want somebody in yeah. there who can take over uh, and do the job well if, uh, if for some reason the president is incapacitated. Uh, and again, I think uh, it's always a, a good thing to have Californians uh, on the ticket because of the values that that uh, the Californians represent. Uh, so if we're going to have Kamala Harris on on the the presidential ticket, I think it's fantastic. I was one of the folks uh, who in 2016 was advocating for Javier Becerra uh, to be on the ticket uh, uh, with Hillary Clinton. I thought that would have made a more formidable ticket than yeah. Clinton Kane ended up being. What are Gavin Newsom's options to fill that seat? I mean, is there a bench out there? Are there people out there he can? Look at is our group out there? He, you think he's going to go to 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 fill that? Yeah, seat? no, I think that that uh, the the fortunate part for us here in California is we've got a, a very very deep bench of of uh, you know of of all stars, of potential all stars, of you know of of up and comers, uh, and of veterans. Um, you know, we've got uh, I think you know one of the the, the ones that uh, has been talked about the most in California um, has been uh, Alex Padilla, uh, the Secretary of State, uh, um, who. Uh, who has been, uh, you know, somebody who has been uh, talked about as eyeing uh, that Senate seat uh, in in any case. So I think uh, he'd be a, a, an incredible uh, choice for uh, for that spot. Uh, there's always the, you know, uh, looking at somebody who just ran for a U.S. Senate seat and Kevin DeLeon, um, although I think the relationship uh, with, with Padilla uh-huh. uh, is probably a little stronger with, with, with Gavin Newsom, but I think, again, he would make an excellent choice as well. Um, I talked about, you know, the attorney general, who I believe is happy doing his job and, and what he's doing, but he wouldn't be somebody that you'd want to overlook. Um, and you've got, uh, you know, all sorts of folks in uh, Latino and, and, and African-American caucuses who would make excellent choices as well. Uh, you know, whether it, it's uh, Lorena Gonzalez, uh, you know, or uh, or any of the, uh, uh, you know, the senior uh, black caucus members, uh, you know, again, you've got some incredible choices out there. Do, do you think he needs to come up with uh, or to consider an African-American woman? Uh, do you think that because the seat was held by an African-American woman, does he need to look at a woman of color, an African-American woman, or is it, is it broader than that? Well, uh, I, th- I think that's obviously going to be... in some way? No, I think it's. I mean, I think it's a it's a uh, it's a consideration that that uh, you know that he's going to take into have to take into account. Uh, and again, whether you whether you're looking at somebody like a Holly Mitchell or uh, you know or, or Autumn Burke, who again are all outstanding legislators, uh, and 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 I think could uh, uh, could take um, you know could step up to to, to the U.S. Senate spot. Uh, you know, those are those are uh, there's there's no dearth of great uh, candidates to choose from, uh, and 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 the fact that they happen to be African American and women uh, is is you know is just a, an extra bonus uh, you know for for uh, for those folks. Uh, um, again, they're just outstanding legislators yeah. in their own right. Do you think um, uh, do you think re-election? I mean, the the ability of someone who gets appointed to the seat to win re-election on his or her own is sort of a that's a major consideration. Yeah, that's got to be. Governor. He yeah. make the appointment, but that person has to get reelected. Do you think, is there somebody that stands out particularly for you as being really uh, able to get reelected more than some of the others, do you think? Yeah, and, and again, I think when you look at some of these folks, uh, uh, if you look at uh, um, the showing, uh, you know, that Alex Padilla has had, you know, any, anytime you've got somebody who's run for a statewide office and, and been successful uh, in, in those campaigns, uh, you know, that name ID is out there. Uh, you know the so that that uh, uh, you know that certainly is is something that that the um, you know that they're going to want to take a look at what's their track record in in, in electoral politics, uh, and certainly uh, folks who have had success statewide are going to be uh, you know are are going to uh, have that uh, they're going to have that in their back pocket when uh, when the governor starts looking at uh, at potential uh, candidates. So uh, you know clearly yeah. you want somebody who's yeah. going to be able to okay. win in their own right. You think there's any are there any dark horses out there we haven't thought about? I mean I think about the statewide office holders. Uh, uh, you know, I think, you know, Eleni Konolakis, I think of, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Padilla, Alex Padilla, there's Ricardo Lara, 
There's Tony Thurman. There's Fiona Ma. Well, the, and, um, and the and the one that doesn't Yee. get. I mean, yeah, the, the one that's most unassuming, but who has been one of the most effective, uh, you know, office holders out there is is Betty Yee. Uh, you know, she gets work done. Uh, yeah. you know, and uh, and uh, she works hard. She knows policy. She can, uh, uh, you know, she can ha- handle herself very well in a chamber like the U.S. Senate. Uh, um, you know, so she has got, uh, you know, she's got the chops, uh, the policy chops, as well as the political chops to, you know, to be able to tackle a, a position like, uh, you know, like U.S. Senator. Uh, and again, the other ones that you mentioned as well, again, all of those statewide office holders, whether it's Ricardo Lara, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, Tony Thurmond or, or uh, Fiona Ma, it would all be excellent candidates. Uh, um, but, you know, Betty Yee has impressed uh, a lot of folks, uh, you know, in her uh, short tenure as a, as a, as an office holder. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, she was impressive as a staffer. I, I worked with Betty uh, in the da- Great Davis administration. She was, uh, uh, you know, a star uh, back then as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see yeah. somebody like her, uh, you know, be elevated to a spot like U.S. Senator. You know, no one who's really likes my dark horse situation, which is Jennifer Granholm, former governor of Michigan, very qualified, also born in Canada, <laughs> so she can't turn around and run for president against him. Seems to me like a gimme, but no one likes my idea. Well, and it, but it also, you know, again, uh, uh, you know, she's she's a, a recent Californian, uh, you know, and uh, but she's she, fantastic. Uh, you know, I've actually been on her program and when, during some of the past elections, uh, and she's, uh, you know, again, super smart. Uh, you know, but again, uh, you know, it, it is one of those things where just recently moved to California, uh, although. You know, time goes by quicker than I think. So sometimes, so may, she, she may have been here longer than I think. Um, do you do you think there's any chance? I mean, we have a top two primary, so for everything but the presidential race. So there'll be a top two primary in the Senate races. There was the last time. Uh, so is this a feeding frenzy for Democrats? So they beat each other up in the primary, going after this coveted seat. And if so, who who stands unbloodied at the end of the battle? <laughs> well, again, uh, if you're appointed into the spot, if if if, if Kamala Harris uh, again gets the the vice presidential nod and she ends up uh, uh, running for for uh, vice president, remember she doesn't have to leave you know right away. The spot isn't open until it's open, um, you know. But uh, um, but you know if if that spot does open up, uh, you know you will have somebody the whoever is appointed would uh, uh, would have a leg up. Uh, but being California, being a democratically dominated state, again, there are only two of these seats uh, available. Uh, I'm sure uh, that somebody's going to want to throw their hat in the ring and say, you know what, uh, um, I like the appointment that the governor has made, but uh, I think I can do a better job. Uh, and uh, uh, so I don't don't discount, uh, you know, a, a potential challenger there. But uh, uh, I think, you know, again, if if, if the person is, is does a does a great enough job. Um, you know, and you saw this with uh, with with Javier Becerra when he was appointed attorney general. There was talk for that 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 there might be some challenger for him uh, in the uh, in the primary yeah. uh, after he was appointed. And uh, you know, he's done such an outstanding job that people just uh, uh, say, you know what, he's the guy. Do you think he's the first pick? By the way, I mean, I I sort of look at this and I think, well, it sort of depends what Javier Becerra wants to do. Yeah, if he's interested in running for this seat, obviously he's an AG right now, so that would be a shift. But I think that could be sold to the public. I don't think that would be a problem. Is he sort of like the person you ask, what do you want to do? And if you want to stay where you are, great, and then we go on. But if you want to make the move, great, then you're the person. Is he sort of the first among equals or no? Well, I think he and Alex uh, Padilla, uh, you know, I think are, are, are right up there. Uh, I think yeah. anytime you look at, uh, at uh, you know, somebody as accomplished as, as Javier Becerra, the work he's done in California, the work he's done taking on the, uh, the, the Trump administration, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with the Department of Justice here in California, uh, you know, I think that it'd be hard, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, for somebody to, to, uh, to, to ask him. And if he said yes, that that's what he wanted to do, uh, to not give him that, uh, that opportunity. Uh, that said, I just I really feel he's happy doing what he's doing. I think he loves being attorney general. I think he's got, uh, you know, uh, um, quite a few more years to be able to do it. I think uh, all told, he's going to be able to do this for ten years. Um, uh, you know, if if he, if he wanted to, to, uh-huh. to take the complete run, uh, you know, he could put a stamp on 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 uh, on that office and then uh, decide what he wants to do after that. Uh, so um, again, I I think a lot of it, like you said, is up to. Uh, uh, you know, somebody like uh, Javier Becerra is if it is it what he wants to be doing, um, uh, but uh, um, but this is why we love this kind of uh, of stuff, John. Uh, you know, we love to play these parlor games. We love to to, to try and figure out who's going to do what, uh, and it's a it's a lot of fun. And Absolutely. then uh, you know we see what the governor is going to do, and and uh, uh, and uh, go from there. 
Absolutely. And if you appoint somebody else, then we forget all about this podcast and we get on with our lives. So that's our motto here, you know, <laughs> move on and forget the past. <laughs> so. Adama Iwu, who, uh, aside from being on the cover of Time magazine, uh, was a spark plug and a key figure in getting the Me Too movement up and running in Sacramento, and in fact was one of the initial players that put this on the map in terms of public perception of the issue. Adama knows Sacramento politics, and we thought we'd ask her and get her suggestions for who she thought, not only who um, Newsom might appoint, but who should he appoint. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, what kind of a fun, speculatory conversation to have, right? Um, I, I think it's yeah. super timely, obviously, and I think it's an exciting proposition. I think that the kind of game board might have changed quite a bit in the last few years. Um, you know, Kamala had an opponent, or I'm sorry, Diane Feinstein had an opponent, and, you know, I don't know. I haven't heard too much from... Uh, former Senator DeLeon anymore, so I don't know if he would still be somebody who might be in the running, but I think there's a lot of people who kind of, the thought is they've kind of been waiting their turn, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So you have uh, Secretary of State Alex Padilla, who I'm sure his name is one that continues to come up. And then there's other folks who have a lot of really great experience and are kind of already not, you know, obviously not in Senate yet, but they have great experience or kind of in place. Someone like a Barbara Lee might be a really interesting candidate. Uh, we have so uh-huh. many incredible female politicians up and down the state, women of color, um, who are just so qualified and it would just be really awesome to see them elevated, I think. Um, you know, there's folks like Betty Yee, who's also really incredible, a really hardworking, really intelligent legislator. She might be an interesting candidate. You know, someone like a Holly Mitchell, who's had her hands in a lot of different things over the years, so many different issues that are important to the people of California, um, important to women, people of color, immigrants, uh, underprivileged. I mean, she'd also be a really interesting candidate. It's really just a matter of, um, you know, what is the governor looking for? You know, what is he what is he trying to achieve out of this? Because there's other folks like, uh, you know, uh, Becerra, who is also out there, has been very vocal about uh, opposing the president and a lot of his agenda and being a really staunch defender of a lot of California values as well. Do do you see anybody right now, obviously this is all speculative, (laughs) but do you see anybody right now who might be a front runner? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think someone like Becerra would be. You know, he's been working with the governor now. Um, Like I said, he's a really staunch defender of California values, clearly isn't afraid to take on the administration. Um, It would be a good position to step right in and represent California well at the national level. Yeah. uh But I think there's many women as well. I mean, someone like, like I said, my personal dark horse favorite is Barbara Lee. I think someone like her would also be um, Uh incredibly adept and totally ready to step up and do that. You know, the vice at the presidential level, uh, uh, Joe Biden has said that he wants to appoint a woman, mm-hmm. and there's increasing pressure on him to appoint a woman of color. Do you, is is Gavin under the same sort of pressure? Do you see him wanting to appoint a woman, wanting to appoint a woman of color? Is that something he would? Do you think he would be prone to do or like to do? Um, I don't know what he'd be prone or like to do. I personally would like to see. Um, I have no problem having a woman or a woman of color represent me, obviously, um, Uh I would be thrilled to see him make that move. I mean, the Senate is not diverse, right? Uh I mean, this would be a chance to continue to shape and push California values. And no matter what people might say about whatever some of those values are going to be, one of our huge... um, You know, one of the things that's really amazing about California is our diversity. And we have a long way to go on many, many issues, but we are a very diverse state. And to continue to have our representation reflect that, I think, is really important. And I can't imagine that that isn't something that's not important to the governor as well. Gary South, who we spoke to earlier, mentioned that we've never had a Hispanic person, a Latino or a Latina, represent California Mm -hmm. at the Senate, which, given that California started out as part of Mexico is sort of amazing. 
Yeah. I mean, does that surprise you? I, I would have thought at least, you know, back in the 1800s, we would have had a Latino or a Latino. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, when people tell me stats about, you know, hey, this is, wow, it's incredibly diverse. I'm always like, yeah, that, that, that like literally does not surprise me. I mean, I think that would be great to have more Latino leadership. I think that would be great to have more African-American leadership. I think that would be great to have more female leadership. Is there anybody, um, I know you've mentioned Barbara Lee, for example. Uh, is there anybody you would like to see get the appointment? I mean, if you had to recommend to the governor, hey, uh, you've got this empty Senate seat you need to fill, and you need to fill it with someone who can win re-election after that person serves mm -hmm. the unexpired term. Is there uh, somebody you think that would be best fitted for that? Um, I, I do. I, I still think that Barbara Lee would be an incredible candidate. I mean, she's been an incredible representative. Um, she's been around quite a while. She's incredibly popular in her district. Yeah, I think she'd be a great candidate. What about um, the notion of whether a statewide politician, a statewide person should fill the seat? The, the theory being that someone who's won a statewide election, like a mm -hmm. constitutional officer, um, uh, well, of course, aside from the governor, but all of them are either women or people of color. So you have Emily Konolakis, you've got Betty Yee, you've got Fiona Ma, uh, Tony Thurman, you've got Ricardo Lara. Uh, should the governor be looking at that, at that bench of statewide officers for his appointment? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think, you know, some of them, um, like you've said, I mean, I think Alex Padilla um, has been representing, you know, California from all the way from, you know, being on the city council in Los Angeles to uh -huh. now being the Secretary of State, yeah, he'd be an incredibly strong contender. You know, it's interesting. We, we've talked to several people today on this, and uh, uh, Padilla's name came, I think, uh, Tim, I don't know if you felt the same way, but it seemed to me Padilla's name came up quite a bit. Also, Karen Bass, her name came up quite a bit, too. Do you have any thoughts about Karen Bass? or? Yeah, so, I mean, when I was actually kind of thinking about this, I mean, my thought was that, you know, Padilla and Becerra are kind of going to be the names that probably everyone says. Uh -huh. um, yeah. I, I personally um, was thinking, you know, like I said already, Barbara Lee, um, Karen Bass, Betty Yee, and Holly Mitchell are names uh -huh. that I think should really definitely be considered, strongly considered. What do you think, Adama, what do you think the process is here? for the governor to <laughs> fill the seat? I mean, it's kind of subjective, personal thing, or does he, I don't know, does he have meetings and call in people and talk to his advisors? And how elaborate is this process? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure kind of all a of seat that. Of the oh, God, I hope not. Uh -huh. I mean, we're talking about a U.S. Senate seat. <laughs> I <hope laughs> yeah, I know, totally. There's a bit more <laughs> God, if the public intent, only knew, you know? <laughs> yeah, hopefully there's a bit more intent that goes into it. But yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of conversations, A, to see who's actually really interested, um, B, to see who's willing to, uh, you know, who are their surrogates, who will support them on that, what are the, you know, the club's thinking, um, you know, how will this be talked about in the press? Is this kind of like a, a California enough move? Um, you know, I mean, I think that there's uh, a lot of really intriguing politicians in California. Yeah, but to uh -huh. suggest someone for a U.S. Senate seat to replace a, a African-American uh, U.S. senator, I mean, that has to be done very carefully uh -huh. yeah. and with a lot of thought. Would, would uh, Newsom be well advised, do you think, to replace Kamala Harris with a African-American politician uh, if you replace Kamala Harris in that seat with someone else? Would it would you think it would go against the grain of people in California? I mean, they voted overwhelmingly for Kamala Harris when she was elected, and she got a very strong mm -hmm. vote from people in California. Do you think people in California need to have someone like an African-American in that seat or a woman in that seat uh, or both? Uh, or is there, is there more leeway there? I mean, look, the governor can appoint, obviously, whoever he wants. Sure. But I think that for a seat now that it, for two seats, right, that have been held by women for quite a while and quite ably, I mean, uh -huh. I don't think that anyone who hears Dianne Feinstein speak on any issue, especially some of the ones that are just so important to us, like guns and things like that, she's an expert, right? So there's that. Um, whoever steps into that seat, 
they need to be able to speak with the same gravitas as um, a Dianne Feinstein or as a Kamala Harris. And uh -huh. I think that right now, the way things are going, yeah, people do want to see that there is a um, some thought put into who goes in that seat beyond just let's pick this white guy that we know. So I do. I, I do think it is important to be very, very intentional about who gets that seat and who replaces an African-American U.S. senator. We're at a moment, especially, um, you know, where race is, I mean, to me, I'm an African-American female, race is always a topic of conversation. Um, but right now, this is the topic of conversation, right? Yeah. They are uh -huh. in the Senate talking about police reform. Today, actually. Yeah, to this morning, absolutely. Um, you know, so that is the conversation that is going on. So yeah, I do think it is incredibly important to be very intentional about who gets that seat and why. And I mean, I think that you pick the, the best candidate, but we have so many good candidates to choose from if you're talking about females, if you're talking about African-Americans um, or people of color. I mean, we just have really good candidates. It's not the kind, it's not the time when you can say, well, really the best candidate is this white man who's been a career politician. We have plenty of career politicians, plenty of people with strong institutional knowledge, plenty of people with very strong policy backgrounds. The governor has a lot of choices. Uh, next up is Karen Skelton, a habitue, former habitue of the Clinton White House, very well known in California as a political strategist and communications consultant, worked very closely and still does with Maria Shriver, um, knows a great deal about the insides of California politics, and we thought she'd know about this, and we asked her for her advice and suggestions and sort of a handicap of who this successor to Kamala Harris might be. And full disclosure, Karen is on our board of directors for Open California, which is the publisher of Capital Weekly and the publisher of the Capital Weekly podcasts. And we don't hold that against her? You know, <laughs> that's good. Um, I think this would be a very exciting um, opportunity for him. I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know what the odds are here, but so it's kind of fun to just speculate up into the stars. Um, uh-huh. You know, if I if, if there was a completely um, blank slate here, I would say that the best thing for the governor to do would be to appoint. Uh, he could get he could get a two for appointment out of this. He could appoint the attorney general Javier Becerra um, to the Senate. I mean, he's got congressional experience. He's got a lot of stature. He's um, a fighter for, I mean, he has proven he's like over 50, almost 60 cases against the federal government on behalf of Californians. Uh, so he knows the issues backwards and forwards. And then he frees up his uh, seat and allows the governor to make a second appointment for the AG seat. Um, and then he could pick any number of people, Adam Schiff who has been an extraordinary, you know, leader on, uh, in Congress. Uh -huh. uh, maybe he wants to come back to California. Um, maybe somebody like um, Tani Contil Sakayui, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, uh, Sacramentan, and maybe she would want to fill that job. You know, people like, I, I personally think, Tony Atkins or a John Chung could be interesting in that position. I don't even know if they're lawyers, but uh -huh, um, yeah. interesting leaders uh, on the cutting edge of a lot of the issues that are that matter right now. Even somebody like Glendon Breed. Oh, uh huh, uh huh, yeah. Well, you mentioned um, uh, you mentioned Javier Becerra, and one of the thoughts about him was, and this may not be correct, but I just sort of assumed he wants to run for governor. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that he does want to. I mean, I, I I'm not sure of anything, but I I I would you know I would suppose and, and think he does want to run for governor, uh -huh, and he yeah. may not want to move his family back across the country. Sure, by the way, yeah. since he just moved back mm -hmm. here, there might be a lot of reasons for him not to do it. But I think that he would be a good choice. I also think Alex Padilla would be a good choice. Uh -huh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's going to be just like there was in the Senate race with Kamala. You know, who's going to between Kamala and Gavin? Who's going to run for Senate? Who's going to run for governor? 
who's going to run for Diane's seat when it's up. I think you're going to have a lot of people circling around the governorship. You have a, you know, and this is an opportunity to, for people to consider maybe another path to service. Uh-huh. You know, Alex Padilla probably also wants to run for governor, as does for sure Eleni Kunalakis. Mm-hmm. This allow this appointment would allow the governor to pluck any one of those people into a role, um, a senior role that takes them out of the governor's race. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eleni would also be a good choice for the Senate um, position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Alex Padilla, you know, is just you know very very smart he will just be finishing up this historic uh race here in 2020 where i think voter participation is going to be at a a high Uh at least eligible you know registered voters is going to be at a high we'll see if they turn out um but you know the vote uh absentee ballot vote vote by home all of those efforts are going to really put him at the forefront of the country on on, on that kind of reform. Well, and yeah, and according to Trump, we'll have a million and a half uh, illegal votes cast in California. I think he said that yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah, so you know, that'll be great uh, great for uh, Padilla's chances, or those extra million and a half votes. You know, you mentioned Padilla, and I think and I think yeah. Tim will bear me out. I think over the, in the course of doing these interviews for this sort of special podcast show, I think um, Padilla's name has come up the most, most often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, anybody who's worked with Alex Padilla knows him to be a, you know, first in class. The guy is extremely um, committed to his work. He's super bright. He's articulate. He's, um, he's, he does his homework. He's a change maker. Um, and I think he'd be a great choice. Uh, I also think there are other choices. I, I think, you know, and again, I don't even know if, you know, if, if, if she would want to do this, probably crazy for her, but um, the Surgeon General, Nadine Burke Harris, huh. I think is really low on people's radar screen, and, and I think they'd be shocked um, to see how um, underexposed she is for how incredibly, massively valuable she is uh-huh. as a... Um, as a doctor, as a person who um, understands and has spent her, you know, her year working um, with health uh, issues involving trauma, low-income communities, race, um, and you know how she would be in the time of COVID, an absolute gem for California to have um, at the leading edge of our thinking on health issues and. And and and, yeah. and and as they relate to race and poverty. Anyway, I think she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think Eleni Kunalakis, um, obviously, she's run for statewide office. She's worked in um, high levels of government. She has yeah. been a international. Uh, you know, she's been an ambassador. She's got it all. Do you think there's any pressure or any uh, an advantage to to Newsom in this appointment to appoint a woman or a woman of color? Do you think he's feeling pressure from groups to do that? And if so, who might that be? You know, uh, and, yeah, I, I don't think that anybody in, you know, in June of 2020 um, can look at this country um, with, the, with the combination of um, economic, uh, you know, an economic catastrophe, a, a, a pandemic, and social injustice colliding with each other and not realize that the disproportionate impact of those three things affect women and people of color. And and having a leader who is either or, a woman, a black, a Latino, is almost imperative right now for mm-hmm. us to repair the country and repair the social network and uh, that, that keeps us all moving forward economically. You're making a really good argument for Janet Napolitano. <laughs> and then you have Janet. God, of course. How could I not even have thought about at the top of mind? <laughs> Do you think um, you mentioned uh, before London Breed, and so I wondered. I, I've always wondered whether a big city mayor you know, should also be on on the short list for this. So obviously the L.A. mayor. Now the San Diego mayor is a Republican, but in L.A. and San Francisco, mm-hmm. are those those two uh, 
Are those options yeah, you know, favorable? I, Go ahead. Yeah, I think Garcetti, in some ways, has the most um, stature from a, obviously, from a big city point of view. He's very close to Biden. Um, he, is, I think, he and the governor have a good relationship, and he's been doing, you know, yeoman's work in LA during all of this um, crisis. And I think London Breed, again, I mean, African American woman leader, articulate, um, uh, you know, doing, you know, major amounts of. Uh, reform work in San Francisco, I think, is another, you know, I would put her on the list. Uh-huh. Is there anybody in the legislature? I do think that, um, I do think Tony Atkins has such a breadth of experience on issues that matter to Californians, and she's seen it all in the legislature, that I, I would put her on the list. Joel Fox is a person who needs no introduction, so we're not going to introduce him. But Joel Fox actually is the publisher of Fox and Hounds, which is a highly regarded uh, website uh, that offers, I would argue, moderate Republican opinion, sometimes further to the right than the moderate, and sometimes to the left, sometimes, occasionally has that. Joel Fox used to be the president of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, was for many years in California, uh, is well-versed on economic issues, political issues. His Fox and Hounds is a fun read, and we wanted to know from Joel what his take is on this. And he's got an interesting take. He was one of the few, I think, to discuss this. And I won't give you a heads up on what that is, but I think you'll be surprised about the appointive power, how that might work out. Uh, Joel, thanks a lot for joining us today. Um, So basically the question is, if Joe Biden picks Kamala Harris, what options does Gavin Newsom have to fill that seat and have somebody... Uh, in that seat for the unexpired term and then re- and then run for election on his or her own. And who should he pick and who will he pick and who should he pick? I think I have a few thoughts on it. And the first name I'm going to throw at you, uh, most Californians don't know, uh, and that is Milton Latham. Who's Milton Latham? Right. Who is now, Milton Latham? <laughs> if you walk down the stairs in the state capitol, his portrait's on the wall. He was the sixth governor of California. And below his name, it's, it says the term of office he served. He served from January 9th, 1860 to January 14th, 1860. Oh, he was governor of California for five days. Why? Because he went on to the U.S. Senate. Now, Gavin Newsom has the ability to appoint himself to the Senate. Don't think it's going to happen, but it's a possibility. Uh, I think there have been nine governors who have appointed themselves to the Senate over the years from other states. Uh, in Latham's case, he didn't appoint himself because that was back in the day when the legislature chose the U.S. senators. And mm-hmm. so he had to put his name up in front of the legislators, but he was the governor and he had a lot of pull. And so he was governor for five days and became a U.S. senator. So I just thought I'd bring that uh, issue to the fore, although I don't think Gavin Newsom is going to do that unless, of course, he gets really tired of dealing with pandemics and economic collapse and all kinds of other things that he's been facing uh, recently as governor. Well, assuming he doesn't appoint himself, uh, which I think you're right, it's, it's likely he won't appoint himself. What, what's the field look like out there? Who will he be choosing from, do you think? Well, you know, one fact you have to ask is who's, who's he personally close to? I mean, you know, he's obviously not going to choose the first partner, his wife, because he's, but who's he close to? But obviously in the field, He's got this situation where he has uh, a lot of constituencies to consider. Uh, The Democratic Party, of course, um, believes in diversity and uh, group identities, and and he's got to deal with that when he's choosing someone. So a couple of names that jump to mind easily is Alex Padilla, the Secretary of State, and he gets a two-for-one there because if he appoints Padilla, he gets to appoint the next Secretary of State. I would say Karen Bass, the congresswoman from Los Angeles, a former uh, Speaker of the Assembly in California, uh, very much a leader uh, in Washington right now. They're talking about her potential as a future Speaker of the House. Uh, and, of course, she's high profile, uh, leading the Black Caucus on dealing with police reforms. Um, another person who uh, definitely falls into the uh, – who is qualified – as a legislator and as uh, someone who has an identity with one of these uh, 
constituency groups is Sheila Kuehl, who is the former assembly member. Uh, she represents uh, one of the first LBGTQ representatives in uh, California, and she's currently Los Angeles County Supervisor. So I think she's on the map, too. And formerly Zelda Gilroy. Don't forget that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a whole... Yeah, I, I won't forget that, but I'm just saying there's a whole field out there of folks, you know, fitting these dots. Now, I think there are two ways for the governor, for him to proceed and avoid these major political disappointments to either individuals or groups, allies and groups. One, of course, he'll never do, because that would be to nominate someone who checks none of the boxes. Wrong gender, wrong race, wrong political ideology. Uh, he won't go that route because he'll offend all the Democrats. But if he does go that route, you can tell him I'm rested and ready to go. <laughs> you and Jerry Brown both? Well, wait till well, I'm going to get to Jerry, because here's my second route. And I think it's really doable, and it could save him a lot of grief. Newsom follows the model set by John F. Kennedy after he was elected president of the United States and left the Senate. Kennedy wanted his younger brother, Ted, to be the senator. But Ted wasn't constitutionally viable at the time. He wasn't 30 years old, not for a year or two. So Kennedy arranged it with the governor to appoint a seat warmer, someone to hold the position until the next election. A friend of the family was appointed, a former mayor. Um, he would be a Massachusetts senator for two years. He pledged not to run. And that opened up an open election for Ted Kennedy to run, and he won. That's what happened. So Governor Newsom announces that a choice for senator really belongs to the people of California. They're the ones who should choose their senator, not the single governor. He has many good and qualified candidates, he says. Maybe mentions a few by name. But says they should all seek the seat through the electoral process. In the meantime, he'll appoint a senior Democratic politician who pledges not to run for the seat when the term ends in a couple of years. And given the potential age of some of these folks, they probably, the likelihood is they won't. And he has a number of potential seniors who can certainly keep the spotlight on California uh, due to their history, their personalities. And I'm thinking of, and they're all in their 80s. Former State Senator John Burton, former Governor Jerry Brown, former Assembly Speaker and San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown. Each one would keep the spotlight on California spend two years in the Senate, have a ball, and then uh, Newsom is relieved of all his political problems. He doesn't offend anybody. And would any of them, do you think, actually then not run? I can't see well, Jerry Brown. Well, you Brown. know what, because I think that, the, I think, you know, obviously they're all folks who like the spotlight and like political power, and I mean, they've all served a long time. But as I said, Burton's 88, Brown's 82, uh, Jerry, Willie's 86, and uh, they may not run. It's a young 86. <laughs> he is a very young 86. In fact, of the three, I would think Willie be the one that <laughs> would enjoy it the most. The, the conventional wisdom is that uh, when you fill a seat like this to, to complete an unexpired term, that you have to pick somebody who is reelectable, somebody who can on their own win election, and the, we talked about this earlier in a different part of the podcast, but John Seymour is immediately an example that comes to mind. Pete Wilson appointed him, took him out of the state, out of the Senate, and he lost uh, the election. And there was a lot of fallout at that time for that. Who would be someone guaranteed, not guaranteed, but who would be someone who likely could be reelected and young enough to have hold the seat for a while? Anybody out there that immediately comes to mind? You mentioned Alex Padilla. Is he kind of the front runner. Oh, oh sure. Alex Padilla is right up there at the top of the list. But let's face it. I mean, let's be honest about this. Any Democrat no, no. who's nominated no, for the seat <laughs> has a you know, hands-down opportunity to be reelected and not be challenged. Unless, you know, it's somebody that uh, if the party continues, maybe the party continues moving further and further to the left in this, the individual that is uh, put in the chair is not quite progressive enough. But I don't even see that happening. Uh, if someone is put in that chair uh, in two years, unless something really blows up, uh, in, in California with its current political makeup, that person is going to have the odds heavily in their favor for re-election. So I don't really think that's a big concern for Newsom. As long, and he's not going to 
uh, appoint a nobody that no one knows. And I think any of the people that we've discussed here, the ones that I mentioned, uh, Padilla, Bass, Kuehl, any of them, uh, any of the ones on any other list that uh, we know about, uh, would have a a relatively relatively easy time in in, uh, holding that chair. What about the mayors of the couple of major cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles? Uh, these are big enough towns that they have a statewide profile. People know their names. Are they somebody, or would they make viable candidates, do you think? I think they would. Um, well, look at Mayor Garcetti ran for president, or at least talked about it. Hmm. Um, Mayor Breed, obviously high profile. They're also coming through uh, a difficult time right now, and the cities are being hit very hard because of the pandemic. Uh, uh, there was a fr- front page story in the uh, Los Angeles Times today about all the criticism that Mayor Garcetti is getting from all sides of handling the crisis uh, of the, uh, uh, the protests. Uh, some of the protesters, people think that he was too apologetic for the police. Some of the police, of course, say he's not stable and he shouldn't even be in the office. He's getting hit from all sides. That was a headline front page story. So he's going to, you know, he's going to come uh, immediately, uh, all, all of the mayors, I think, will have some kind of baggage due to the crisis that they're going through. Uh, I don't think that would affect as much uh, Mr. Padilla, and I don't think it would affect as much uh, Karen Bass, for example. Do you think Padilla, excuse me, that uh, Newsom is, um, there's a certain amount of pressure on him to appoint a woman. We've had two women in the Senate since 1992. Uh, it's not that it's a woman's seat. It's that there's nobody that's entitled, but is the political pressure out there to maybe point a woman to that seat as opposed to, say, Alex or anyone else? I think there's political pressure from all of these different groups. Uh, there's po- political pressure from Latinos. I mean, after all, uh, they'll say, hey, listen, uh, we, are the, we have the most Californians, you know, majority of Californians, or at least polarity of Californians. Well, you know, we need a, a, a Latino. It could be a woman. But it could be also a man, but Latino uh, would have the argument. Um, African Americans say this is this is our time. Look what's going on in the world. This is what's going on in our country. It's a, it's a, it's a moment in which uh, to grasp change, reach uh, for social justice. Um, high profile issue is around uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and Black Americans. We should have an opportunity for that seat. And by the way, the person who's leaving the seat to become vice president uh, as African-American. So we should have that seat. So I don't see how one group or another, um, and, and, and I mentioned she- Sheila Kuehl and, and the LBGTQ community. Um, Gavin Newsom uh, cut his political teeth, really, uh, at least in acknowledgement around this country, uh, defending great gay marriage. Uh, so maybe he feels that he should move someone up uh, to that Senate seat um, uh, from that community. Uh, so I think all those groups are putting pressure on him to say, it's our turn. It's our turn. You have to appoint us. And that's why I go back to that model, the JFK model, that I suggested to say, you want to get out of this pressure cooker, Gavin? Put in a seat warmer and just tell them all the so, Tim, what were your first takeaways on this? What did you think about that? You know, I was really surprised how many people had suggested uh, Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Frankly, he had not been at the top of my list. I, like you, thought that Becerra would be more high profile. Of course, we have no idea if this will ever even come to pass, but uh, that was a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and I thought uh, the flip side of that is with Becerra, I thought Becerra would be the first name on everybody's lips. And, in fact, was not. He was in the mix occasionally. But in fact, he wasn't the number one choice. He's the AG, which typically, I think, is viewed as the number two office in the states. Not lieutenant governor, but AG is sort of, in terms of importance, chief law enforcement officer, politician, uh, at the top rank of California state government. But the name didn't come up that much. And so I'm wondering if people expect him to run for governor or if he's made that message known to people in some, or if he signaled that. I well, and also, I really question whether this moment with the concerns about uh, police brutality and policing, uh-huh. he definitely came down on the side of the departments with the disclosure rules 
and his take on that, well, gosh, guess about a year and a half ago. And I wonder if that's hurting him right now, that having a law enforcement officer who has previously been known for sort of a solidarity with law enforcement officers, maybe not the guy that the governor wants to send to Washington, D.C. right now. I mean, pure again, like the rest of this, that's pure speculation, but I wonder if that's playing a role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And right now, we just really don't know. But it's speculation, and it's fun to speculate. And... We don't know how all this is going to play out, obviously, but however it plays out, it'll be interesting here in California. It's going to be part of our blood sport for the next four or five months. And and the decision on Harris probably will be made if there is a decision on her, but the choice of the VP pick will be by the end of the month, uh, by the end of August. So we're looking at four weeks, uh, excuse me, beginning of August. Yeah. yeah so, so this was a really fun exercise. Just uh, John and I had been talking around the office about this and realized it'd be fun to reach out to some people who were going to bring some disparate views into this. And it was, you know, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A little bit different than we normally do, a little bit longer. Also, I believe nine different telephones were involved. So the quality of the audio, I apologize for that. We were struggling a little bit there, but uh, we did the best we could. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, also, if you have your own thoughts on someone that should be considered, Go to the Capital Weekly website, find this article, this article about this podcast, chime in in the comments. We'd love to hear from you sure. and, and hear who you think of it, that the governor should be considering for this position. Yeah, absolutely. We like all the comments we can get and we ignore them all. That's exactly. <laughs> Tim Foster, thank you very much. Thanks, John. And this is John Howard. We will see you next time around. The Capital Weekly podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Thank you.